But the Canadian government uh, is flouting its international human rights obligations by failing to repatriate and provide adequate consular assistance to the 47 citizens who are currently detained in northeastern Syria because of alleged ties to ISIS, according to a new report from U.S.-based Human Rights Watch. 26 Canadians being held in camps and in prisons controlled by Kurdish forces. Some of them are kids. A lot are under the age of six. But the report says they are living in deplorable conditions at overcrowded camps with lack of sanitation, contaminated drinking water, poor access to health care. The list goes on. And uh, according to the senior researcher at the Human Rights Watch and author of the report, abandoning citizens to indefinite unlawful detention in filthy, overcrowded and dangerous camps and prisons does not make Canada safer. The lives of Canadians are on the line and the time to bring them home is now. What is the government saying about this? Well, the government is saying right now they are kind of hamstrung in their ability to help Canadians detained in Syria by the lack of consular resources in the area and the security or insecurity of that situation. I wanted to bring Mubin Sheikh into the conversation because, Mubin, you know far more about this than I would even pretend to know. You are a former RCMP operative and uh, CSIS operative. Welcome to the show. Good to have you on. Thanks for having me, Kelly. Okay, so I immediately thought of you when I saw this headline because um, the worry is that these are people that have decided to go overseas and fight for ISIS. And we know ISIS is completely against our way of living and uh, how we conduct things here. So uh, where do you sit on this? Yeah, look, you know, the problem is that um, the the argument that Canada uses is actually not a good argument. The the idea that it's not safe or, you know, is is really irrelevant because uh, we've had journalists who, who have gone there, researchers who have gone there, and, and it's not that dangerous at all. Uh, you know, the, the larger argument, I think, that there are the consideration that, you know, from the government's perspective is we don't want to be seen as uh, repatriating ISIS members. Right. No government, uh, especially a minority one at this stage, is going to want to go to bat for these citizens, uh, given what they've done and the reputation that ISIS has. So while it's easy for us to say and convenient for us to say, you know what, let them rot over there. uh, Unfortunately, the reality is not as simple as that. Basically, what we're facing is the countries want to deport uh, our citizens back to Canada. It's no different than when Canada does the same thing of criminals who have been imprisoned and then after their sentence are deported back to their countries. And those countries have to take them. So so that's the situation that we find ourselves in, that we're, we're basically forced, in a way, to have to take them back at some point. Okay, but, I mean, can we rehabilitate these people? Is that even possible to be able to reintegrate them into Canadian society when they made a choice? And it was a choice to travel abroad to fight for the Islamic State. I mean, it, yeah. it's pretty... They are known for their graphic videos of beheading journalists and AIDS workers. I mean, they're a horrible group. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, and and that, this is the problem, right? I mean, they, they are a horrible group. They did go willingly to join this horrible group. And now you're getting people who are trying to make excuses for them, you know, saying that, oh, you know, some of them were, were groomed to go over there. They were pressured to go there. Oh, some, when they got over there, they realized, you know, they had, they had gotten in over their heads and they wanted to come back, but they couldn't. And well, now it's, it's obviously on- very convenient, isn't it, to say that yeah, now? Well, it is. It is. It absolutely is. And, uh, you know, and I'm not really, uh, you know, I don't buy this line of argument, you know, um, that 
uh, you know, we, we like it's not the movies. You know, we can't go in and swoop in and rescue people and pick them up just because they made a mistake. Uh, you know, the fact that they went, you know, the fact that they're now facing these horrible conditions, it's like, what did you think was going to happen? Or did you not think, you know, beyond, you know, the, the tip of your nose that you're going to a, a, a barren desert area of Iraq and Syria to join this insurgent group? Suddenly you find yourselves in, you know, um, poor conditions in a, in a prison camp and your kids don't have this and you don't have that. I mean, who's who's surprised at that? And it's not like them putting themselves in that situation means that, you know, we need to move faster or quicker, you know, in, in terms of what our response is going to be. So it's a, it's, a, it's a difficult situation for, you know, the Canadian government to be in, but also for the local governments to be in who just don't want these people anymore. How expensive would it be to rehabilitate and reintegrate people like this that have decided to take the step? It's... It's beyond um, someone uh, saying that they're in support of ISIS here at home. I mean, they took the step to go fight there. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be, uh, this is a huge issue because, uh, you know, if you if you talk about the cost itself, I mean, forget about, just, I mean, rehabilitation is one part of the cost. You know, incarceration is another part of the cost. Repatriation is another part of the cost. You know, actually physically having to have an aircraft take these people back and a lot of people they haven't really thought this through you know first of all is it's not like you can just you know pull up a plane up next to the prison and load everybody up and bring them back to canada you know they need to be uh basically uh you know taken across the syrian desert into iraq and then from iraq is where you know some kind of flight would be made available even that's going to cost money Right. And there's a huge security risk with that. What if ISIS decides to, quote unquote, rescue their women and children as, you know, the the, the convoy is basically making its way to Iraq. So we are talking in excess of millions of dollars. okay, in, in, in total for 47 people. And this doesn't even include prosecuting them, which is going to take years and years, you know, assuming they don't plead guilty. So, okay, so a lot of company or countries, rather, some of them are repatriating in order to uh, prosecute. Others are repatriating in, in order to rehabilitate or a hybrid of the two. What does it say about our uh, Canadian government's inactivity uh, as far as going to get these people? Yeah, look, I'm, again, I'm going to I'm going to go back to that default answer about why we're we're uh, we're reluctant. Right. The Canadian government is reluctant because, again, I think, you know, it's a political consideration. Uh, I don't accept the security argument that they make that it's too dangerous. You know, the, the lack of uh, consular services makes sense because the Kurds are not a recognized authority. So what consulate consulate are you going to be going to or what consular services are you giving them? It's not like they, you know, they're they're in a in a prison of a foreign country because they committed like fraud or assault or murder or something right uh the kurds are not a recognized entity so what do you do with that um so so you know look ultimately we we do have legal obligations high level legal obligations right at a very generic level to say yes you know we 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 won't leave canadians you know to indefinite detention At, at some point they need to face some kind of justice and and this is something I think that Canada might possibly try to act on, um, but only if they are in majority territory. They're just not going to put their neck out uh, as a minority government for ISIS members of all people.
Do you happen. think that the, the conservatives, if they win the if they win the next election, do you yeah. think they would bring these uh, ISIS members back to Canada to be prosecuted, or do you think they'd be playing a similar uh, wait and see game as Justin Trudeau is? Because yeah, you know I, I the risk is we, is putting Canadians yeah. at at risk of. Yeah, you know, I don't the, think the conservatives are are going to you know, uh, behave any differently, I think. I think, um, again, because of the because of the security risk, because of not really knowing what could happen with these individuals, even rehabilitation, that's not a guaranteed thing at all. You know, you might get people who are so traumatized and so screwed up that they have even more animosity for, for us yeah. against us. And especially the fact if we bring them back and then they have to be, you know, they have to be reminded of their personal failures of having, you know, having gone over... That's, I mean, that's going to that's gonna need to be monitored for years and years and years. And these children that we all say, yes, absolutely, children should not bear the punishment, you know, the sins of the parents, you know, think of how long that it's going to take for children to be rehabilitated after what they've been through. So, so we're dealing with millions of dollars, and we're talking decades of rehabilitation. So huge investment, but who's ready to make it? Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't look like the uh, the liberals are ready to make it. It doesn't look like the conservatives would be. And at the end of the day, uh, if you bring them home, the perception from many people, and I get it, is that you are bringing someone home who has engaged in very serious criminal offenses. These are people that just, I mean, it's... It's incredibly appalling to most of us that someone yeah. would consider going to join ISIS. And I think a lot of people would think along the lines of, guess what? You made your bed. It's over there. And that's where you're going to be lying in it. You're not coming back here. You decided that you wanted to go over there and do something that is uh, deplorable in most of our books. And so you're not yeah. coming home. Yeah. There's a larger problem in the UK where they've had 400 ISIS members, 400 ISIS members return back to the UK and yet only one in 10 are even prosecuted. So even when people say, yes, they should come home and face the music and face our justice system, in many cases, that's not even happening. So imagine... And that's the, couple, the fear. That's a very yeah, real fear, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Because we one of the things that the Canadian government is leaning on is that we can't collect the evidence. So if we can't get, collect the evidence, how do we prosecute these people? Yeah, yeah. There would be, it would be a huge injustice uh, and injurious to you know the public trust for us to repatriate ISIS members only to discover that oops we can't prosecute them. Yeah, you know, that would just be that would be you know infuriating for to most Canadians I would think. Lubin, I appreciate your time on this. As always, you are the expert as far as rehabilitation um, goes, and and thanks for sparing some time. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me.